Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today we are going to be talking about the start of the Thunder Media Week as well as some updated roster projections because there has been a couple moves since the last time I did a podcast for you guys. So the first thing, um, Thunder Media Week, it kicked off on Monday and throughout the week, there's going to be players and coaches coming in for interviews. Uh, I'll make sure to keep everybody updated on that. I was going to make a podcast yesterday, but um, I kind of ran out of time, honestly. I didn't have enough time to fit in my second part of this. So I just said, I'm going to wait, get some more stuff for today. And here I am today making a podcast for you guys. So I'll make sure to keep you guys updated for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, onto the weekend. All that good stuff. But um, the first two days, Monday and Tuesday, we had Sam Presti, Mark Dagnalt, the new head coach, and Darius Baisley speaking in the media. And one of the main things that was really stressed during um, the first couple days was just development. Now, I think we all kind of know the current state of the team. It's not like we're trying to win any games like anytime soon. So... It's pretty obvious why this question came up so much and why the coaches and the players were talking about it. Um, It's because we're really not trying to make the playoffs contend, do any of that stuff. We're more in the market for, you know, winning like five games, five, ten games, getting a chance at the number one pick. I mean, the odds aren't even that good. We're probably going to get more than five to ten wins. I don't want to jinx it, but uh, you, you would hope that would happen. But yeah, we're really not we're not trying to do anything except for tank, get get some picks and development is probably the key thing we're going to be talking about this whole entire season because I don't really think we have playoff aspirations like I said, but yeah, one of the first questions that was asked to Sam Presti was about Alexei Pokachevsky and there was actually Sam Presti did a uh interview session with the media like right after the draft happened but there's something really stupid about nba rules and i mean i think the nfl might have changed it nba still hasn't fixed it you know where you see players who get traded on draft day like darius baisley's a good example we traded back to get him and i think we ended up taking him with like you i think we ended up with utah's draft pick last year so he must have walked up there with like a utah hat or some other random hat well the same kind of scenario happened this season because as you guys know we traded ricky rubio in our 25th and 28th pick to get pokachevsky and really all our draft players even the guys that we took in the second um vit kreji and i believe we actually no it was just him and then we ended up getting a two-way player in Josh Hall. So, I mean, we really couldn't talk about any of our players because of this this rule where if you're not specifically drafted by, you know, the Thunder, you can't talk about them. So, we couldn't talk about anyone. So, the the main the main points that were talked about on draft day had nothing to do with the draft. Like the main guys were Ty Jerome and Jalen the Q. I think that was one of the only deals that the NBA passed. And you can talk about anybody you want as long as the NBA's passed them to be on your roster. So, yeah, those are the 
pretty much that's what the whole entire 45 minute thing was on um i mean he kind of talked in vague statements but we really couldn't get to what everyone wanted to hear about which was um also i don't even know how i forgot i forgot to say teo maladon we couldn't talk about him either because that was a pick we traded for yeah we couldn't talk about any of them so he really had to talk in vague statements he couldn't mention anything legally he could have talked about Emmanuel quickly, Jaden McDaniels, or Cassius Winston, who um, we ended up getting. Te- technically, we got them. He could talk about them, even though we dished them out. It's just the way rules work. Uh, we couldn't talk about the main guys. We got to talk about him on Monday. Uh, he said that he, you know, he was talking about Pokachevsky, and he's. He kind of said that the measurables for Pokachevsky was there, and he has the measurables to be great. He's seven feet tall. He has seven foot three wingspan. And there was a report that came out from David Blatt, who uh, he was with the Cavs a couple years ago. We know he got fired. I think he wound up in like Maccabee Tel Aviv overseas, something like that. He was speaking about how last time he measured Pokachevsky, it was like seven seven foot one inch and a half so if that's actually true that's insane um but yeah if that's true that that's really awesome but yeah just press you to speak about those measurables those are great measurables to have especially the way he's played i mean he hasn't had a real competition level that was one of the questions and Presti talked about he actually saw poku and maladon on the exact same trip to Europe, so it seemed like everybody was kind of gravitating towards Poku. Um, all the different NBA uh, exec- executives, I guess, staff members, everyone over there, all the scouts were drawn to him just due to his his size and his IQ, his passing ability, and he was so intrigued. He wanted to trade up and get him, but yeah, he liked what he saw in Poku from there. Traded up to get him. He just isn't sure, you know, getting one of these guys and just getting anybody from the draft. You never know how hard they want to work. And if you're a guy like Perry Jones is a good example, I guess. He came out of Baylor to us. He should have just been a one and done, to be honest with you. I don't know why on earth Perry Jones returned to Baylor for a sophomore season, but it completely ruined his draft stock. And that's how he slipped to us in the back end of the first back in 2012 we should have gotten Draymond Green I literally that was the first year I did a mock draft and I I don't know I must have been what I guess I was I think I was like eight at the time yeah I was like eight years old seven or eight years old doing my first mock draft or whatever I was like crying because I really wanted us to get Draymond Green um, I obviously, I, it's not like I scouted Perry Jones and Draymond Green. I just like Draymond Green because I recognized his name from Michigan State. But still, you throw me in that spot and we have Draymond Green and maybe we get a couple other chips added. Just, well, I mean, not really more chips added, but we'd, we'd have some championships to show for it, I think. If, you know, I was, I was the GM in 2012. But, yeah, I just like talking about that. So... Perry Jones had really everything. He was he slipped way too far, 
even though he had a down year at Baylor. He shouldn't have slipped that far. He had all the tools necessary. He just didn't even improve. He, like, plateaued after his freshman season at Baylor. Continued in the pros, he's out of the league. You can have all the stuff. You know, you can have all the different aspects of the game in college, but you need to improve on those skills. And for Poku, he ha- he's shown flashes, but he hasn't played the high-level competition yet, and we still don't know how he's going to pan out. So it-, it was mainly just about development, and you have to be able to work hard and buy into the franchise's system. So without that, you know, without buying into the system, it's going to be a rough time for you. And you can't skip steps if you want to be able to develop. And he said everybody really needs a fair shot with the franchise. Everyone needs a fair opportunity. What I got from that is I can see this rotation not really having a real starting unit, a real bench unit. I think there's going to be a lot of rotations coming in and out of this whole entire season. And it's going to give guys like Poku, Maladon, um, some fair shots, as well as these other young dudes that we got through trades whether it be like an Admiral Schofield, a Ty Jerome, Diallo's going to get a lot of minutes, just to name a few guys. There's going to be a lot of new faces getting real minutes for us. And it's not just going to be like an eight-man rotation, which we've seen all the time whenever Donovan and Brooks were coaching. So it's going to be completely different. And he, he went into Poku just that in terms of how he's going to develop, but he also talked about other guys who kind of were in the same situation that Poku was in, and just really anybody drafted. Serge Ibaka, um, Presti was highlighting a lot about. He was praising the guy. He got drafted, I believe, 24th back in, um, I think it was 2008, the same draft class as Westbrook. He's, he stayed overseas. He signed like a three-year deal to stay in Spain so the first year happened and then he came over the contract bought out got bought out by the Thunder and he was able to get on the roster it wasn't like he came in out the gate and he started playing and me I really like I really didn't watch a ton of Thunder basketball until like 20 I think the first real time that I got into Thunder basketball was the Lakers' first-round series against us in 2010. Before that, I mean, I I watched the games, but it's not like I remembered, like, players a ton. I dug in, uh, you know, their, their background. I never really did any of that. I just kind of casually watched. But, yeah, so I never really knew that Serge came into the league and, like, didn't really get a shot but his first game from the way he was talking it was against the Pistons in um I think it was 2009 and from then on it it wasn't like he had flashy stats he got like one rebound or something but from those two minutes he said it went from four minutes to eight minutes to 20 minutes to him being one of the most important players in that Thunder's playoff series against the Lakers in 2010 and without Serge, uh, let's just be real here, guys. Without him, we wouldn't have gotten Sabonis and Oladipo. We wouldn't have gotten Paul George. And we wouldn't have gotten SGA, Gallo, all this stuff we've gotten. So thank you a lot, Serge Ibaka. Um, everyone loves you for that. So 
yeah, he was just praising the guy. He talked about how KD had really the the wisdom of like a 50-year-old. Now, obviously, it's not wrong. Like, Kevin Durant became a superstar with us, but do you really even have to talk about that guy? I don't know. Uh, I don't blame him for talking about him because he's just talking about de- how development works. But come on, Sam, really? I didn't really like that too much. He talked about Baisley's mentality. Um, he said there were a couple times he just had dinner one-on-one with Baisley, just talking with him. Sounds like he likes the guy. He showed really big improvement from the regular season into the bubble. We're hoping to see more of that improvement coming into this season, especially with the expanded role he's going to have with the team. So we should be really um, really uh, looking at at Baisley coming in this year and hoping for the best for him because he really could make a huge jump from year one to year two. And he also said Lou Dort, I think he, you know, kind of in the same context as Serge Ibaka, he didn't really have a role with the team coming into the rookie season. He gets signed as a two-way contract. He said due to injuries, he had to get thrown out there and he was crushing it. So his whole entire contract got used up. I felt really bad. And I think everybody felt really bad because in reality, by maybe like his fifth game, everyone knew he should have been promoted to the real roster and gotten that contract moved up. The Thunder milked out all 45 of his uh, two-way contract days before they signed him. So they kind of did him dirty there. He ended up getting the contract anyways. But imagine if he got like injured like in one of his last days and he like couldn't get a, a full scale NBA contract that that'd be messed up. So I, I, everything worked out cause Dort's on our team for the long-term future. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like he probably should have got signed early on in the year, but he just said, you know, Dort made the most out of his opportunities and he said he couldn't, he couldn't have predicted Dort becoming this good. No one really could. And the way it is now, he's one of our best players on the team. So really just shows um, shows some promise. I mean, if everyone's getting opportunities, you got to think one of these dudes hit. I mean, you see with Sam Hinkie how he did the process, just throwing guys in and out of the rotation, in and out of the roster. Found dudes like Robert Covington and TJ McConnell who went undrafted. They're still both in the league right now. And Covington is one of the best 3 and D guys in the whole entire league so you know hopefully we're able to uncover some gyms this season and i wouldn't be surprised if we were able to get one or two i'm not talking i don't know about huge roles but i think we should be able to find some nba talent uh throughout the season so i'm looking forward to it uh he he was talking just Presty was talking about the development side of things so was mark dagnall he said the most impressive thing about Hamadou Diallo, who really hasn't been spoken about much um, up until now, he's kind of been screwed over just in the past, but um, he was saying that he's been able to respond to all the adversity he's hit, which, I mean, he's not wrong. I always talk about it, but Burton and Hamadou Diallo were like the dynamic duo going into that summer league, going in their rookie seasons. They were killing it in summer league. They both looked like NBA players. Um, 
I'm not I don't think Burton's gonna get re-signed I've always been a big fan of him I think he got completely screwed uh he's he's still super raw and it showed because whenever he played he he really didn't take advantage of his minutes he was just chucking up shots not like the matter the minutes matter anyways because it was you know we're up 45 points and he gets thrown in with a minute left like I don't know those minutes aren't really that important he didn't really get a shot and Diallo also never really got a shot like Terrence Ferguson played over Diallo pretty much his whole entire time he was with the team and not trying to be disrespectful to Terrence Ferguson but I mean it's Terrence Ferguson with him there really wasn't any at first maybe his rookie season there was there was hope I mean, he was, like, playing serious minutes for us, and he had that game against Los Angeles. Then he just started spiraling downhill. And with Diallo, it's just the the thing with him, he's always just been looked at as a promising guy who needs an opportunity. We are now just finally giving him a real shot with this team. And I think he's going to absolutely crush it. He's had to sit on the bench for years now. I don't think he's going to let this one loose. I think he's going to absolutely kill it. I think there's a second contract coming after his next two years are over. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's going to be a good piece for our team. And he will get serious minutes. I don't know if he's going to be a starter just due to how the rotation looks. Like who we have on our team. But he's going to be playing, I think, 20 plus minutes a game without a doubt at the two guard probably have to move Dort in between shooting guard and small forward in time things will be figured out but Diallo is going to be a key piece of this team now um Presti was talking about how SGA he's going to be a central piece of the team and this isn't really a shock to anybody we all expected SGA to you know pretty much be playing a ton of minutes a game now there's not really anyone else with like all of our team being traded we're really just left with SGA um if I were to tell you the second best player would be it'd probably be Lou Dort um maybe you can make a case for Al Horford but yeah I'm SGA is probably the only like all-star caliber player right now. I think there might be some surprises with a ton of minutes given to players. There's going to be people balling out. But if I were to say who could potentially be an all-star, it'd be SGA. Being in this stacked Western Conference, even if he averages like 25, 5, and 5, with the, ro- with the record we're going to have, I don't know if he's going to get enough votes to even secure it. But he's going to be putting up all-star numbers. And he want, Presti wants him to work on his defensive side of things. Which, I mean, that's a good thing to start at. Uh, we saw him, I mean, in the bubble. Was he like one of the key guys in that Rocket series? I'd probably say like he was the third or fourth best, best player on our team. I think you got to give credit to Chris Paul, Lou Dort, Gallinari. Maybe then you could say SGA. Baisley was really good in that one too. I'd say SGA was the fourth best guy in that Rocket series, but um, yeah, he's gonna have to work on work on his game. He's a shot creator. He's a pretty solid passer. I mean, 
he didn't it wasn't like he was playing full-time point guard I think now he's going to be playing point guard a lot more with these expanded touches the hope is he's able to just completely improve on that side of the ball if he's able to become a great passer that's going to be perfect I think he he still has the potential let's say we get the first pick next year we can get Cade Cunningham even if SGA is a great passer and he showed he's a great point guard you can still move him up to shooting guard and throw in Kate Cunningham. I mean, there's going to be a lot of options if he's able to expand that part of his game. If he's able to solidify the defense, he's going to be all around great. Um, his shot, it goes in. I think people are really turned off by the fact his shot is so slow. I mean, it just kind of looks weird. As long as it goes in, man, I'm happy with it. If the result's good, yeah, everyone should be happy. And... I mean, he was making his shots last season. There's going to be more points for him. There's going to be so much, so many more shots up for SGA. Points are going to go up. Assists, rebounds, everything's going up for SGA this season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for that. Now, that was from uh, Sam and Mark Dag- uh, Dagnall. Now, Darius Baisley came in yesterday and did his interview for comparison, Sam Presti had about the same, well, maybe a little bit more questions, but Sam's interview was like an hour long. Um, Baisley kept it like a cool eight minutes. He was in and out of there. The responses weren't like, they were straight to the point. He, I mean, a lot of the questions for Baisley were just kind of talking about um, like how he's able to expand his game, what he's done over the summer, and what he's learned from people like Chris Paul and all that. Now, he saw the whole situation of everybody being cleared out as an opportunity for him to grow as well as all the other guys returning. Now, he worked all throughout the offseason. I think there was a question about how, like, what he's been able to do in the shortened offseason. He said that he really didn't think it was that short. Um, I guess this is really his first off season outside I mean yeah I mean this is kind of his first off season he had the rookie training camp summer league all that but it's not like he's a seasoned vet and he's used to this the off season being that long I don't think he was phased by it that's a good sign and then in terms of what he learned from CB3 said he was a great mentor he ended up calling him to talk about life with him after the deal I, I'd assume after the deal he talked to him and there was a there was a question about more on like Chris Paul and like all these trades going on. Someone was asking about like how Baisley found out about the trades, whether it be like a Thunder team group chat um, through people calling him and stuff. He just straight up was not having the question at all. Like. He gave, he like repeated just a random question like, oh, um, this, I'm looking at the season as an opportunity. And the, the guy that asked the question by the end of it, he was like, oh, thanks, Baze. Uh, he wasn't done there. He, he, he wanted to keep going at it. He thought that the question was like some sort of ploy or like trap to make him slip up and say something bad for the team. Now, I mean, I get it. Um, like, I think it's kind of, I mean, it's not a bad question, but it's kind of, it's kind of private, like what 
how teammates figure out this stuff. Unless, like, Chris Paul wants to go out and say it. I mean, that's another thing. I don't think... I don't... I think if you're gonna... If someone's gonna say it, the player just naturally has to go out and say it. Like, the media shouldn't be pressing you about how you figured this out or that out. So, I don't blame him for, like, not wanting to answer a question. I don't think the guy had, like, bad intent whenever he wanted to ask it i think he was just genuinely curious but basically just completely shut him down and after that point his answers went from like a minute or two to like like 30 seconds 30 to 45 seconds so he he was in and out of that thing there's uh i believe there's more interviews coming um wednesday at like 11 a.m central time so I'll make sure to keep tabs on that, tell y'all um, what they were talking about. But, yeah, so that's what was going on, um, at least these past two days. Now, I still would like to talk about um, kind of what the roster projections for the team are going to be. Now, there were a couple tiny transactions made in the past week, I think it's been like eight days since I got a podcast out to y'all. Pretty much the first deal to absolutely nobody's surprise was that um, Josh Gray, the 28-year-old point guard from the Pelicans, he's off the team. He didn't fit with us. I don't even think he's touched the court more than like a couple times in his career. I think he's just going to be overseas. No one, no one should be shocked by that move. Um, it was just one of the first, the first dominoes, I guess. With the other people still on the roster, uh, I believe they still have from that trade. They have Kenrich Williams, um, Darius Miller, and Zylan Cheatham also from that deal. They haven't made any roster moves with any of those three. They might want to test out and see how they play. Because Miller, I mean, he's an NBA player. With Kenrich Williams and Zylan Cheatham, they're both 25. Maybe they want to see in camp how well they do before they make a decision. But it was, it was inevitable that he was going to end up getting moved. I think he must got moved knowing what the deal was. I, he shouldn't be complaining, though. He got, like, a million... Yeah, he got, a, like, a million-plus dollars just for pretty much doing nothing so he's living life unless there was some sort of agreement made where he takes a pay cut he just made a million dollars so good on josh gray i hope he does well wherever um but yeah i mean he's off the team and if you thought that was just one of the first guys to get kicked out um and you know if you were under the impression we were only gonna keep waving people which is what i thought i thought we were gonna go from 20 players to five cuts maybe a trade in there or something but i didn't think we were gonna get people through right through free agency well we actually did now we picked up frank jackson he was a point guard for the pelicans they never like gave out the exact contract details so i couldn't tell you if it's guaranteed or not I'm a little bit confused on why Frank Jackson would have been like 
sign now as opposed to just being like a sign and trade in the whole Steven Adams, Drew Holiday, that whole four-team deal. I don't know why Jackson didn't just ink a contract with them and he gets shipped over to us. I mean, I guess what I think is I think Frank Jackson was trying to go after maybe a, a bigger contract. We still don't know what the thing, the details are. Could just be a camp invite all the way up to like a real, you know, two-year deal or something. So we don't know. Um, I'm just I'm just a little puzzled why he wasn't thrown in. I guess he thought he was worth more. He just settled for OKC, and I mean he's gonna get a he's probably gonna get the best opportunity possible with us, cause I mean there's so much youth. There's gonna be a lot of change-ups. He's gonna get minutes in at point guard, shooting guard. Um, he's only 22, so yeah, he's in good shape for getting an opportunity. Um, with the thing obviously being that he's able to make it to the 15-man roster. Now, uh, in his past season with the Pelicans, he averaged six points, about a rebound and assist per game, 40% on field goals and 33% from three. That's nothing popping off the page. He actually declined from, um, the year before that. He, um... I think, obviously, it has to do with Lonzo Ball being acquired. The minutes got cut. But he was putting up eight points, two rebounds, and an assist in his second season. I think he got drafted um, back in 2017, I would like to say. Yeah, I think he was part of the 2017 draft. He didn't get much playing time rookie season. He got playing time sophomore year. That was obviously the 8-2-1 and and. He dropped six one and one last season, or yeah, last season. So those aren't great numbers. Um, however, Presty was actually super high on Frank Jackson in the 2017 draft. Now, what you're getting with Frank Jackson is is pretty interesting. He has a he has a pretty good backstory too. He came out of high school as the tenth best dude in his whole entire class. Uh, and he was a McDonald's All-American in 2016. Some other dudes who were in the McDonald's All-American game. De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo, Lonzo Ball, and Jason Tatum. They were all in that. So he's in a pretty pretty solid group of people. But also, in addition to them, there's some former Thunder players and some current Thunder players. Now... I kind of had to refresh my memory on one of them. The other one, I was like, what the hell? How is he a McDonald's All-American? The first dude who I kind of remember, Terrence Ferguson. Um, in high school, that dude was an athletic freak. I saw, I mean, his highlight reel from high school, he had some bounce on him, and he still does. Uh, I wish he used it. Um, a little bit too passive, but yeah, his highlight reel is sick. He was a McDonald's All-American. And also, the newly acquired TJ Leaf was somehow a McDonald's All-American. Um, I haven't looked at his highlights at all, not high school. I saw a little bit from the Pacers, and the comments were just flaming the guy for uploading like a TJ Leaf highlight reel. I think Pacers fans were mainly commenting. They're like, why, why on earth would you even take out the time of your day to do this you must be the most bored person on earth the highlights weren't that crazy so 
the comments made sense. It was mainly just him shooting some open threes and layups, rebounding. Just classic power forward center stuff. Nothing, nothing too special. I just thought it was cool that there were some other guys with the team, with our team, who were McDonald's All-Americans. But anyways, back to actual Frank Jackson, because that's the guy who I'm talking about. He won the dunk contest. I thought Frank Jackson was just like a spot-up shooter. He's really a spot-up shooter, but also a slasher. He kind of gives me like some Austin Rivers kind of comparisons. Now, with Austin Rivers, he was in kind of a similar spot Frank with as Frank Jackson. He got picked up by the Hornets. He played, I think it was like the 10th pick in 2012. He played, he got waived. I mean, his journey wasn't like clear cut. Doesn't look like Frank Jackson's is either. He didn't even get an extension on his deal. He was an unrestricted free agent, came with us. But yeah, Frank Jackson, straight up offensive guy. I like to think the same with Austin Rivers, at least back then. He's a streaky shooter, Jackson is. He was like a 40% three-point shooter in college. And it just dipped going into the NBA. He had way more shot attempts in college. I think it was like five. You'd be lucky if he shot two three-pointers in an NBA game these past two seasons. So even though he was shooting like 33% from three and like 31% from three this past two years, I wouldn't take it too too rough. I think I think he's going to be able to prove himself with our team. And he very well could have like a high 30s percent from three. So the main thing, that's one of the main things with him. He's just a shooter. When he gets hot, he gets hot. Uh, when he's cold, you might want to throw him out of the game. Because uh, there's some other parts of his game that need some improvement. And if the three is not there, you might as well toss someone out, out, someone else out there. His other aspect is just finishing. I mean, like I said, slam dunk champion um, back in high school. Has a 42-inch vertical leap. So... I like to think of his game more like a shooting guard because he's more like the catch and shoot or he's going to catch the ball, drive in. He's not like a shot creator, nor is he a dude who sets you up for a, for a wide open shot. He just does things on his own. So I kind of I kind of prefer players like Ty Jerome and Teo Maladon who are more pass first at the point guard. Shooting guard wise... I think it's perfectly fine to have a dude who's not a really good passer. He's not known for it. He's just known for shooting and driving. The defense, he got to work on it. He had some injuries with his, uh, he had a leg injury of some sort back in college. The lateral quickness is not completely there. So we'll see. He's really just a below average defender. He's shown flashes on offense. In the bubble, I think he dropped like 31 points. I don't know if it was like one of those throwaway games, like the last game of the year, or whatnot. But I mean, at least he had a get, he was showing some promise. Um, he's looking more. He has a. I'm not gonna say he has like a super bright future, but he's definitely on the up and up with us. So we're really lucky he fell into the hands of us because I have no clue why the Pelicans would have let him go. Like he's shown he's an NBA guy. I guess they, you know, they just have a little bit too many players at the guard spots. Someone had to go, and they just cut ties with Frank Jackson because why not? So, 
yeah, we stumbled into him. Uh, he's going to be fighting for a roster spot. I think for the most part, he has a spot locked up, but you can never know. Um, so with that, we still have, with Gray being cut and then Jackson being signed, we're still at the same exact spot we were a week ago. 20 main guys on the roster. We have two two-way players uh, in Josh Hall, small forward, and Moses Brown at center. So we need to key in on just cutting five dudes from the team. And you'd think with 20 dudes on a rebuilding team, it'd be pretty easy. But our roster is so young, and there's some flashes from about every single one of these players that it's a lot harder than you think. And like trying to pick and choose between who I think would be better, it's kind of difficult because you're really just basing it off of personal preference. Now, we already have Gray waived. It doesn't matter, but... One of the deals that we need to do to make a trade, we need to make a trade because as it is now, we have three solidified vets who, well, technically four if you include Horford. I don't think he gets moved before the start of the season. So that leaves three guys. That leaves you George Hill, Darius Miller, and Trevor Ariza. Now, Darius Miller's on an expiring, I think it's seven mil. Trevor Reese is on an expiring. That's around $12 million. And then George Hill is on a two-year contract. He's making like $9.5 mil this season. So we got to get rid of about two of those to be able to make the 15-man roster work in terms of, I think, not losing anybody who could have a real impact with our team. I think there's like just about 15 dudes that I think could have an impact. So... If we have all three of these guys, it's a major issue. We need to make trades with these vets. Now, the deal that I proposed was that we move, and I said this in my first roster prediction, I have us moving George Hill and Darius Miller to Miami in exchange for Kelly Olenek and a 2022 second, less favorable of Denver or Philadelphia. If, if you know... Miami's being all pissy about giving up that second. We really don't even need it. I just threw it in because it, you know, imagine having one more pick tacked on the whole plethora of Presti's got going on. It'd be a really nice statistic. Just add some more to it. But yeah, uh, Miami, they have Drogic. The backup point guard spot, a little bit confusing. Um, I, maybe you slide Kendrick Nunn there. I don't, I don't know. I think he's more of like a shooting guard. They just don't have that backup point guard that they'd want. George Hill is able to slide in. I think that two-year deal might might leave a sour taste because they do want to clear as much cap room as possible. But they're also picking up an expiring contract in Darius Miller here. So it's not too terrible for them. They get an expiring and a veteran point guard who will be solid for you the next two seasons um, backing up Drogic. So they're improving. They're going to up Kelly Olenek. They just inked Myers Leonard to a two-year deal. He's making like nine mil. You got Bam Adebayo. And you also have to remember, these guys picked a power forward center and Precious Achua in the draft. So do they really even want Olenek anymore? I don't know. I don't think he's a huge piece of their team. 
So giving him up, the only real reason they may not want to, he's also an expiring. He's around 12 million, but you get back an expiring. So I think that in total they net, um, what do they net? I think they get maybe I I don't know they gain a little bit of salary off this deal, but it's nothing too crazy. And George Hill is fine to have on your team, so I think this could realistically be a deal. Without this kind of deal, you got to be searching for individual teams because I think Miami. It's been clear that they want to make a push in the free agency next year. They want to be able to clear out cap room. Obviously, with this, you can say, you know, maybe this isn't good because they're actually getting more salary back but they're getting two really solid players and they don't really need a link too much so and they want to work on improving for now as well as having a good shot in the future i think this is a decent trade for them so yeah that that'd be the deal that gets us to 19 because we trade away two, get back a linic we're at 19 players now guys who I really don't think they're going to be in the huge battles. You give them consideration, but their good is gone. It's Vincent Poirier from the Celtics. We just got him along with like a million dollars. At the time, we didn't have another big guy, so it made sense. But with this little mock, you know, this little mock thing, we already have Mike Muscala. We have TJ Leaf. And we have Kelly Olenek. So Poirier doesn't have a spot. He's 27 years old. He has $2.6 million guaranteed, which sucks. We got a million dollars back from the Celtics. So it's pretty much like a 1.6 that we're losing because we get a million dollars back from the Celtics. He's gone. We don't really need him. He's like, he's pretty much just a bench warmer. I don't even know if he'd play with us. So that's a no-brainer in my opinion. Kenrich Williams is about the same. He's a small forward. 25. I just think there's better dudes on the roster than him. He hasn't played a ton in the NBA. I don't think there's much room for him to grow. He's got 1.6 on the books. He's out of there. Now we're down to 17. And this is where it got a little bit rough. Now, there's some. There's going to be some battles for these last couple spots. Um... And I haven't narrowed down to I think the final three guys on the cut on the chopping block are gonna be Zylan Cheatham, Isaiah Roby, and Admiral Schofield. Only one of those three are gonna be on that 15 man roster. You can extend it to like a Ty Jerome or Frank Jackson. I think they're probably gonna have a spot. So it's just these three guys. I think the first one out of those three, it's Isaiah Roby. He's 22. But in terms of development, he hasn't shown much. He's just a straight-up prospect. He's been injured throughout his NBA career. He got picked by the Mavs. Or technically, I think he got picked by like the Pistons or something. But he got traded. Uh, he, he was with the Mavs. Didn't play a ton. We took him on for like Justin Patton or something. Looked like a great deal at the time. Now, Patton would look really good in a Thunder uniform. Because we do need a center, but... It is what it is. We got Roby. He didn't really play with us. He played like three games. Uh, he didn't even go to the bubble with us because he was dealing with injuries and all that. We didn't really need him. He wasn't going to play. But still, he hasn't really gotten a shot with us. I don't think he will. He played on our blue team. 
And like, even his his stats. Whenever you're looking at an NBA dude going down into the G League, you're you have high expectations. Roby was not popping off the page with his with his averages. I, I was trying to figure out highlights from the blue. One of his best games is like 12 points and like six rebounds. That's pretty bad for a guy in the NBA. So he has a good shot. I'll give him that. Um, his frame's good. He's six eight with a seven one wingspan. So you have the potential to be good at defense. He was good in defense, but I just I just don't think he has more than these other guys on the roster, and he didn't show a ton even when he's playing in the blue. I think that's his ultimate downfall. He's definitely going to be getting serious playing time in training camp and preseason if he stays that long. He will get opportunities, but I don't I'm not too sure he's going to be balling out or anything. So, I think he's gone. Now it's down to Zylan Cheatham and Admiral Schofield. Now, with Cheatham, uh he's 25, 1.4 mil guaranteed. If I were to describe him, he's just like this super athletic power forward. He's undersized, like super undersized though. Interesting thing with him. He was um he was on the same Arizona State team as Lou Dort was. So there's a little bit of a connection there. And there's an there's a kind of an attachment between those two. So if you get rid of Cheatham, I can't imagine Dort's too happy. He's been posting on social media just like pictures of Cheatham photoshopped on a Thunder jersey. He's real happy that he got traded here. I think he gets a real chance here. Um, I just don't know if he's going to be able to make the cut. Personally, he has the mold that I really love out of G League, guys. Whenever I look at G League players, um, the main thing with me, particularly power forwards, it's athleticism. Christian Wood came out of the... The G League, D League, whatever you want to say. He was one he was probably the most athletic dude in the whole entire G League. Um, the seasons he was in there. And he gets picked up. He had a good enough shot. He was good at rebounding. Look at him now. He he's gonna be amazing for the Houston Rockets. He's on a really good deal with them. He's real promising. Christian Wood's also twenty five. Christian Wood's in a way different place than Cheatham is, so if you pick up Cheatham, let's just say, hypothetically, he becomes really good. It's going to take a while for him to develop. I think, realistically, his his peak is or his ceiling's not crazy high. I do think he has a, he has a shot at, at being on an NBA roster though. He's just he's real athletic. That's about all. I mean, he's great at rebounding his averages in the g league were one of the best for power forwards it's like 19 points or sorry it's 18 points and 11 rebounds my bad some great numbers um if he was like six foot eight like i'd say maybe even just give him the spot maybe you consider tj leaf in the dis- discussion does he get cut Cheatham's under like super undersized guys he's six five 220 pounds now power forward in the NBA that is I don't think that's gonna cut it so I, I honestly that's the real reason he isn't able to carve out a role 
if he's going to be in the NBA, I think it's more of like a bully ball small forward. But he just doesn't have that shot. And, I mean, if you're going to be a three, if you're going to be small forward in the NBA, you got to have that three-point shot if there's other parts of your game that you have issues with. I, I just don't think he's going to be able to cut it, sadly. There were even times in the bubble, I was trying to find tape from him. He does look good in the G League. And his minutes in the bubble, teams just gave up the three, and he just never even shot it. He didn't have confidence in his shot. That's not a good sign. Zylan Cheatham is your last dude cut off the team. So that leaves the one remaining dude coming out of this little battle, you want if you want to call it that. It's Admiral Schofield. Now, originally, like, whenever he got thrown into the deal, um, he got thrown in the deal where he got Vit as well as him in exchange for us giving up, uh, you know, our 53rd, 54th, whatever it was pick. We got, uh, we drafted Cassius Winston, gave him to the Wizards. Future second also thrown in. Um, I, I didn't really love him, but looking at highlights, I, I like him a lot more now. His frame, guys, he's 6'5", 240 pounds. So that's that linebacker frame that you're looking at a Lou Dort. Picture two, picture both of them on the court, man. Those guys are huge. Um, if he's able to like pick up on defense, like he can get guards and the bigger dudes. That's gonna be perfect. A lineup with those two is hilarious. Um, unlike Dort, who really didn't have that confident three-point shot, Schofield's like a corner three specialist. He is a catch-and-shooter. He has some sneaky athleticism to him. He's not jumping out the gym or nothing, but he'll get physical with you. He'll drive in. He, he likes driving into contact. He'll take layups on you with the dude right in his face. He goes for dunks. I like him. I like his offensive side of the game. Um... The difference is between Dort and him, you got the frame. Schofield's the offensive-oriented player. Dort's defense. Dort has some really good finishing ability, though. I'll give him that. I think Dort has better finishing than Schofield. Schofield's a shooter. Dort really is not. He showed he was capable at times, but majority, he couldn't shoot at all. So, yeah, two very different play styles with him. If he's able to become a better... Um, defender Schofield he's perfect he's gonna be able to play on our bench um going into the future so it was a low risk getting him in that package deal if he doesn't get a spot it is what it is I think he will get a spot though there's a little bit too much upside to him he's only 23 um I mean that's a little bit on the high side in terms of if you're looking at developing a dude but I don't know I think there's some untapped potential in him Presti obviously saw that if he got thrown in the trade. I like him. I think he will get minutes with our team. So with all those deals taken into account, we end up cutting or we end up having to pay out 8.7 to contracts that ultimately are never going to pay for us. And that looks bad on paper. Those are five dudes or technically four, four dudes that we're going to have to write checks to for doing really nothing. But, um, I mean, it's really not that bad because let's just compare things. In 2018, 
whenever we waived and stretched Singler, that was a $5 million contract. How did he get that 5 mil? I couldn't tell you, but he he must have had a really good agent to be getting 5 mil on his last year of a contract. But yeah, he cashed out. 5 mil goes to him. Just other people around the league and in free agency this year, they're the amount of money they're making, that one individual player is going to get stretched is more than what we are giving up combined. So Nick Batum's the main guy. We sh- I'm I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't use that big trade exception to take on Batum's contract. There was definitely a trade discussion between the Hornets and us to try to make something work. But um I think I think ultimately the Thunder wanted a first round pick with not a ton of protections. Hornets wouldn't want to give up a lot. They just got Gordon Hayward, so it's like why would you be so scared about these like lottery or like top ten protected picks if you picked up Gordon Hayward and it's like that's like a win now move pretty much. You'd think if they do that, they'd be fine giving up a first. They're not. They're not really a playoff team. They have a couple guys. In the East, that gives you 7th or 8th seed. Uh, they're 7 through 10. But they're not contending. So, puzzling move with Hayward. Kind of left them... You know, it just shows how weird it was because they weren't open to a deal with us. And they are fighting over protections. But, yeah. So, we didn't end up getting Batum. But, the Hornets were willing to pay out 27 mil to him instead of like trading him away to us so he's getting stretched for the next three years so not only was that contract huge but for the next three years nine mil a season that's more than all we're gonna have to give up that's a giant ass contract and it really shows you how it's really not that bad the money that we have to pay out just another player Dwayne Dedman he was owed 14.3 this season um, he got waived and stretched by the Pistons for the next five years. So he's making 2.8 for the next five years. That's just a big contract. Anyways. Yeah. With all that said and done, that gives you your roster projection. Three guys in each position. You kind of have to move them up and down. There's a lot of people who can play, um, different positions. So at the point guard spot, um... It's going to be SGA. He's obviously your centerpiece. And it's going to be Frank Jackson and Teo Maladin. So that's not a bad core to have. In the first roster projection, I actually had Teo Maladin being the second string point guard. But with Frank Jackson here now, I think... um, I think Frank Jackson probably is going to get a little bit more opportunities than... Teo ends up getting I think Teo will still get so much I think it's going to be split between Frank Jackson as well as um Teo Maladin if I had to project maybe how much minutes Maladin is going to be getting let's say maybe about the 10 minute mark I think here and there you'll see him getting some some sort of minutes but it's definitely not as much now, shooting guard, you can still, you can make the case Dort is a small forward. I haven't met shooting guard here. He's, he's one of your main core guys still. 
So Dortier starter, Diallo, he's more like the sixth man in my opinion. He's going to be playing 20 plus a game, getting those opportunities, as I previously said. So look out for him. He's going to be playing a lot with SGA and Dort, Baisley, Horford, whoever's out there at center. Um, so yeah. And then also Ty Jerome, who's more of like a point guard, but at 6'5", you just bump him up to shooting guard. Um, see what he can do. He's really just a pass first guy. He's more of the playmaking point guard type. But you move him up for now. Now at small forward, you got 35-year-old Trevor Ariza. Clearly he's not he's not part of your future. He's gonna be getting um, traded away at some point during the year. Without expiring, he's gonna get moved ultimately. Justin Jackson, he's forward or power. I have him at small forward. And on third streak, you got Admiral Schofield, who at 6'5", 240. That's that frame. With the height, you say maybe he's a shooting guard. But just due to the sheer size of him, I think you put him at small forward and you really don't fuss about it too much. And also, Josh Hall is a two-way guy for us at that small forward spot. So let's say... Justin Jackson really doesn't pan out. You want to move him to power forward. Schofield wants to go to shooting guard. It's fine. Hall will get opportunities. Ariza will be gone during the year. So with those opportunities Hall gets, maybe he even gets promoted if he plays well. You never know with him. So at power forward, you got Baisley, you got Mike Muscala, and you got Alexei Pokachevsky, who is three through five. I don't think he's playing five this season because he's really just too small for it right now. He's at three or four. So, it's a lot of variety. You know, for the most part, all three of them are shooters. There's no real, like, big power forward out of these three. Muscala's more of the traditional power forward. Baisley's not. He's kind of small for a power forward, but he's really quick. The athleticism, his shooting ability, he makes up for it. And Pogachevsky, we all know he doesn't have the build of a power forward yet. The measurables, like the height, sure, not the weight. So he needs to bulk up a little. We'll see how much opportunity he gets on the floor. And at center, you got Al Horford, you got Kelly Olynyk, and you got TJ Leaf. Now, TJ Leaf was more of a power forward with Indiana, but he's 6'11". We're kind of in desperate need of a center. So you either flip Muscala and Leaf. Muscala's the center. Or Leaf is just your center. Now, I'm not too confident in this Kelly Olenek deal. It's kind of just one of those things. I thought it was the best deal on the table. You you don't want to bank on Olenek being on our roster. So there's probably going to be different names on here. And we're not done by any means with trades. So Olenek's probably not going to be there. And that leaves a, a tiny bit of a hole at center still. Horford, Muscala, and Leaf are not pure centers. Moses Brown's a pure center, and he's our second two-way guy. He was with Portland last year. He's with UCLA in college. He's seven foot two. You give him a shot with the team, see how he does. He's gonna play definitely minutes on the on our team because we just don't have a pure center outside of Horford. And is Horford in the long-term plans? Hell no. So Moses Brown, you're gonna get familiar with that name sooner or later. So that is the. Complete 15-man roster. That's my second projection for that. There might be some minor tweaks as news starts to come in. We will see. Um, 
There's going to be some more media day stuff going on throughout the week. If there's anything interesting going on, I will make sure to keep you all updated. But with that being said, you guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. I will talk to you guys next time.